I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney. And this guy with the thumbs, Mike Indeglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Save us, Mikey One. You're our only hope. It is better with the uh, headphones. You know, two years in, I still rock out the theme song. It gets me hype. Gets me hype. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me, I'm Keith, discuss David E. Kelly's award winning series with my old buddy Mike. Uh, that's Mike. How's it going? Uh, Leia? Uh, yeah, I got new head headphones. Keith is they are enormous, but they're they're over ears uh, as opposed to the on ears. So I guess uh, it's a more open back sound. I, I don't know. I haven't noticed the difference yet, but I'm still breaking them in, Keith. But what mm-hmm, I wanted to mm-hmm. say is, you said old friend, and yes. uh, Nair has that felt more real. We're coming on. We well in the. Let's see. I guess it's the summer now. We met in the fall, right? Wasn't it the fall we met? It was late fall, like maybe December. Okay, so 2003 that was. Am I wrong with 2000, that? Uh, yeah, 2003. Yeah. So we're coming up on, what, 18 years of knowing one another? Uh, yeah, as as uh, upsetting as that might be. <laughs> that, that is very upsetting. Yeah, I've been feeling really old. So for the past two weeks, I have... Jenna and I have both actually like really narrowed in. I've been uh, lifting three days a week, running three days really? a week, one day Damn. off. It's a rule of thumb that tends to be anecdotally true for me that it takes about two weeks to really lock in a new routine, like a set of mm-hmm. habits. So uh, yeah. even though it's 7,000 degrees in the bowels of hell today. Oh my God. Uh, I got out there and got my three miles of straight hills up and down. So today was, uh, wow. so if I die midway through, locale Mike, now you know. Wow, that is very impressive. And if I die midway through because my heart explodes, it's because <laughs> I didn't do any of those things. Keith, didn't uh, CFO Jillian uh, enjoy a birthday this weekend? She sure did. Yesterday was her birthday. We Congratulations. had a... Uh, we had a really fun time. We went out to a nature preserve. We ran around with that. We went antiquing a little bit, and then we got uh, really good Italian food on, out on our back patio. So I, it was really, uh, you're you're the one who received the gift to have a wife at what you're forty and she's twenty seven. So I feel like that's right? pretty pretty it's, awesome it, for you. Which is a little awkward since we've been together for ten years. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well. You know what? We should leave that. We should leave that for the authorities. <laughs> great, great, great. Well, you know, uh, I have so much, so many exciting things to talk about, uh, which will uh, probably culminate in, in in your call from the authorities, or perhaps my dad. Uh, so, 
this prior weekend uh because mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. we were we, we recorded early last week so we've actually had two weekends that have gone by uh i went up to vermont to visit my folks for the yes, first indeed. time uh since well before the pandemic so it had been a year and a half almost two years since i'd seen my folks and certainly since i'd been up to vermont to hang out with them which was uh, which was really fun, and and since now my family, every one of my family is a character on the show now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went up, and because we were challenged on air by my mother, yes, to hike the hill with her, mm-hmm. uh, to hike hike the mountain on on our property, and I did. And uh, so, what I uh, on the way back, I decided why not do a uh, stop motion all the way the trek home. So uh, here is. A video, a stop motion video. So it's really quick. No, it's, um, really not, uh, it's not stop motion in, in any way, shape, or form. Just so you know, that's stop t- motion. T- you know, like the you know? time lapse. That's what I meant. I wish there... we could. All, I pr- wish and pray it was time lapse or uh, stop motion, <laughs> like a little Gumby figures, just stop motion style. That would be great. But like a little tubby clay guy, like sweating up a hill. Alas, it's not so rare. Do we get to use the show and tell tile that you created, Keith? So I know. To be a part of well, it. here we are, uh, folks. N- you can now see what it looks like going down uh, the mountain at my parents' place. Uh, so, Should we give uh, any context take... to this, or no? You're, this is the hike your mom has been speaking about. This is the this this is the downhill side of the hike that my mother does twice a day. So yeah, that's that's all the way down from the uh, the top of the Jeez. hill. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's Vermont woods. It's real live woods. And we're walking on the logging road because we, uh, you know, we would heat the house. So we've been foresting since I was a little child. I was showing wow. my mom there where my fort was as a kid and uh, how I, you know, we tried to kill ourselves leaping off trees the whole time. And there, uh, and there it is out of the, uh, out of the woods. So round trip up and back. How long, how long is that? Uh, I mean, up and back round trip, it's probably half hour, 20 minutes, something like that. Okay, so you're talking, what, a mile and a half? I, uh, yeah, actually, she she told me uh, it's exactly exactly two miles up and down, okay. or one mile up and down. I forget what it is. Uh, she, Mom, write it incorrect, because... Uh, it's more than a mile. That's definitely more than a mile round trip. Oh, oh yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's probably, it's probably, uh... Yeah, two miles. Whatever it is, it's a hike. And uh, this tubby guy just got schooled by his own mother going up and down that hill, As which is be. no surprise whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of my mother, uh, as we have uh, as been telling... As we often all want to do. As we often talk, uh, we... Uh, <laughs> my mother has been... Uh, Mike has been attempting to seduce my mother for about two months now and and thus far has been some would say i've i've been successful not attempting i have uh i believe you got shut down with a hard no sir a very clear hard no uh yeah yeah, but we agreed to disagree and be friends which i think is a win (laughs) (laughs) yes all successful seductions and end with agreeing to disagree (laughs) Everyone knows a good seduction ends with a solid friendship. A firm <laughs> handshake. <laughs> that is an amazing quote. Mike and Daglio, copyright 2021. Yeah. Uh, so if you 
listen last week, but you decided to, you know what? I don't need to hear those idiots talk after the episode. We don't need to hear uh, the oopsies. Well, you missed out. Oh, on, man, I uh, forgot. Already forgot. Some, some true and profound glory from my co-host who decided to, uh, to do the most valuable lawyer bumper live on air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as you pointed out, what really was impressive about it was you were re- really trying. I was going. It was for it. like now, your genuine effort. Now, now, Keith, I do want to say this mm-hmm, is not mm-hmm. this is not a good defense, but it is a defense. Mm-hmm, As a professional mm-hmm. singer, I should say I have. Actually, can I say this? I think I can. Um, so you know, I've been a part of a. Uh, some would say knockoff. Some would say tribute to the mm-hmm, Jersey Boys. Mm-hmm. The, yes, the, the yes. four seasons. Well, you know, that since uh, that's mostly cruise gigs that uh, has been kind of shut down for a while. So I just was like Googling around places near me, uh, maybe acts near me that might need a help. Stumbled upon this group of people who actually needed a, 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 I don't want to say sub, they needed an alternate. So I've been singing with them and this stuff is really, really hard. And I've had a year plus off. So the Frankie stuff, it's extraordinarily difficult. It's it's really difficult. And so I've been learning these guys' uh, show and it's like 24 songs of this stuff. So my voice wow. has been tired. So even making the attempt to Most Valuable Lawyer was an mm-hmm. exercise in stupidity and futility. Not the least of which you hadn't warmed up and we'd been shouting for two hours. But yes, it was bad and it was captured for all the well, internet to hear. That said, it, it wasn't bad. In fact, I would say it was majestic. And, and <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and just and and just you know, folks, just so you don't feel left out, uh, I, I don't want you to have oh. to. You should definitely go back and listen to it from last week. Uh, but I don't want you to have to stop the episode, go and search and find and scroll. So here, just just so you don't feel left out, um, this is our new most valuable lawyer bumper. Uh, please enjoy. so glad that you did that. I'm so happy that you did that. Of course I did. But Keith, of but course. Keith what about the people who, uh, during our kibitzing here at the top of the show, you know, mm-hmm. are like getting a snack and making an omelet to get ready for the yeah. actual show proper, and they missed that entirely. What, what about oh. them? Oh, okay. So I hope you have your omelet. It's ready. Set down. Really, just take a deep breath. Listen hard. Headphones. I think headphones are the best way to listen to this because it's very important. Uh, he, here it is. Uh-uh. Thank God you give us a reverb. <laughs> Hold on a second, Jen. 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 Come here. We Sorry, all folks. really. Well, yeah, come here. Uh, you don't have to be seen on camera, but just come in the room for a second. Yeah, you should really, really enjoy this. Put put her on mic. She doesn't have to be on camera. She does have to be on mic. Jen. It's a well. And that's okay. Do- come here. It's worth being nude. She's out of the shower. She will not be on camera. <laughs> a family <laughs> right. show. 
Just come here and listen to this. Ready? Can you hear now? Go ahead. All right. <clears throat> Jen, please enjoy. Yeah, uh, so, so here's, now, now here's where it all comes full circle. Okay. You know, good, you know, good radio show is all about storytelling and, and, Mm -hmm. and mixing pieces together. So I I mentioned before, uh, your, your, uh, successful seduction of my mother, which led to a, uh, agreeing to disagree and a firm handshake. Well, (laughs) it turns out. Uh-oh. That uh, my mother has a very specific funny bone, <laughs> and and she's she's not always you know the biggest laugher, but when you get her going, when you hit the right nerve, uh, you can end that woman. You can destroy her. He did I kill uh, your mom? You, I I have not seen her laugh that hard in so long, and and here's the thing. She went on and on and on, couldn't talk for a while. And the second time I played it, it got just the same reaction. And the third time we played it, got just the same reaction. You have obliterated my mom. And maybe, maybe just have found a little crack in her heart. Okay. Because I I have a little clip here. Uh Uh-huh. And this is from, we were at dinner. Oh, I man. did not even play the clip for her. <laughs> this is her remembering the clip. Please enjoy. <laughs> that was so funny, but I still love you. <laughs> she still loves you. There's uh, hope. Oh, man. Look. All it took was was making a caricature of her and completely (laughs) embarrassing myself uh, for all to hear, apparently. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we'll hear it again in the oopsies uh, from now. We sure will. Henceforward. For for the next uh, two and a half seasons. And then possibly for, uh, you know, a show that doesn't have lawyers in it. We're still going to have that category (laughs) just so we can play the bumper. Oh, Oh, boy, I'm sweating now. I got nervous. <laughs> you well, can literally uh, hear. I don't know how I have a voice after that. How anybody? How I survived it? I it it was a, a piece of comedy gold that will be part of you know if if we have a uh, you know they do like the uh, the box set on VHS they do the infomercial like the best of out of practice podcast. Is this that clip? This is the clip that's going to be that's going to begin the infomercial every single time. It was oh, uh, true <clears throat> genius. All right. Well, speaking of true genius oh, yeah, ways to, to get, get through, we, we have a lot today. It's going to be a big episode. Just settle in, eat that omelet. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to pick me up, I can email you that bumper. It's going to be fine. Yep, uh, yep. But you know who who did not enjoy it as much because uh, he's a cat. It's uh, our good friends on the segment we call We have tried for years to make this podcast a success We We failed! failed. It's time to give the world what it was Meow, meow Hot cat content Meow, meow Hot cat content Meow, meow Hot cat content 
banger. Well, our new segment uh, comes with a new feature, and that is the Cat Photo of the Week, the Out of Practice Podcast official Cat Photo of the Week. And if you're not watching on YouTube, uh, what are you doing? You're going to miss the Cat Photo of the Week. Let's take a look at this week's entry. Yes, well, you know, Didi is is an acquired taste. He doesn't often like to snuggle and cuddle. He's more of a bite-and-play type of cat. Uh, Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. for some reason... Because uh, we, you know, we're on the second floor of our apartment complex. <clears throat> in the morning, he likes to sit on my lap while I drink my coffee every morning and look out. And he's like turns into this docile, really cute cat. And so Jen captured it here in all its glory. Apparently, the uh, Superman shirt is uh, an Easter egg. You've called it. <clears throat> we'll it's a giant Easter egg for this week. You didn't even know. I didn't. It wasn't even, even on purpose. Uh, that said, I only have one tank top. But uh, this is Dee Dee being good. Little does he know that. Uh, as we record this, this is his last week as the uh, second, as the baby cat. Uh, he oh, will be joined no. shortly. Uh, he will be the middle child, and, and we'll see how he handles that uh, mojo. How's you... uh, Charlie, Charlie Jr.? Well, Charlie Jr.'s doing just fine. Uh, one of the things that we did this week um, was, uh, Jillian and I, we got a new a dining room set. She's always wanted sort of like a like an old school, like nice dining room table with a china cabinet thingamabob, whatever. China and, cabinet uh, thingamabob. Classic. Thingamabob, whatever. Like it's it's been her dream for forever. And so we finally had the space to do it. So we <coughs> bought a, a used one. Somebody was moving out of the out of their house, and so they just said like basically take it. <laughs> and uh, we had to rent a van, and we drove out thirty miles, and we. I can't believe that the two of us idiots decided to and succeeded at doing it entirely ourselves because that was a so it's big. godly amount of work. It was so heavy and so big. Did you put it on top uh, of your car? Oh, in the van, the van, the van. In the van, yeah. Which was uh, which was crazy, and it was an exhausting adventure, but we did it. And I was like, this, I'm really proud of us. Like, you know, just a just a couple of dummies of a certain age deciding to like, we can do this, whatever, and we did. Uh, so we set it all up and it looks beautiful and we filled the stuff and we got the table and, uh, little did we know her dream comes true and now the cat owns it and Charlie Uh. spends about 90% of his time directly atop our brand new dining room table, uh, which he enjoys because he's he's closer to petting range. So anytime you go in the kitchen, he's just like, I'm here. So my sister got these two little kittens we've been watching while they're on vacation this week and, uh, so cute. And it's funny because she's like, we're trying to keep them off the table. And I laugh. <laughs> people think they can tell their cats what to do. It's funny. I know. It's adorable. Yeah. We we have a discussion. Like, Is that for the cat? Is that not for the cat? It's all for the cat. The cat it's owns the, everything. The cat decides. We bought the cat a dining a dining set. That's that's what happened. So, But he's happy. He loves it. So yeah, I'm glad. It matters. I'm glad everybody's happy. Everyone's dream came true. And he has like fancy upholstered chairs to, you know. Put his poopy butt on. All right. Well, let us, we have so much to talk about. Let us move forward and uh, and hear uh, from one of our good friends who sent in something new and special this week. Uh, buckle up. Get that omelet. <laughs> Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. So we had our usual uh, comments and funny stuff on YouTube, but because uh, this week we have uh, yet another opus 
from our good friend and moderator, Phoenix Cage, about last week's episode, Judge Not. Uh, I'm excited to hear it. I have not heard it. You have not heard it. So uh, It is pretty long, though. So we, it is, you, it is, you didn't like clip and cut like you sometimes do. We're getting I, the full I did mojo. not okay. because I forgot that it was here until about 10 seconds before we started recording. So we're doing it live. We're doing it right. live. We're, we're, so, so Phoenix, I hope you don't say anything horrible because there's no yeah. going back. We don't edit. Yeah, I hope you don't talk some <laughs> shit. All right, let's see. All right, guys. We deserve it. Buckle up. Here we go. Phoenix Cage on season six, episode 13. Judge not. Hello, gentlemen. It's Phoenix Cage again. Yeah, we know. It's been a while since I've called in, so you'll have to indulge me as I speechify like Judge Fleming. Just hang in there. I promise no one gets shot at the end of this one. Coming After in hot. millions of years of depending on each other for every aspect of survival, we suddenly found ourselves living quite comfortably in our houses and apartments, sharing them with at most one other adult. The fact that we don't need other people for physical safety has given us the false sense that we also don't need others for emotional support. As a result, we've gotten into the habit of ignoring our emotional needs until they're convenient to address, like Keith. when we're in a romantic relationship. <laughs> but once we have that support, we realize we needed it more than we thought and start feeling attached and dependent upon our partner. This leads to insecurity, which creates jealousy. This pattern has become so common that it's accepted as a cultural norm. I think my, like, Phoenix, my therapy is actually on Tuesdays. Uh, but I feel like you basically, I, I've heard that exact same speech from my therapist. Nailed it. We view jealousy and insecurity as a natural part of romantic relationships. And to our detriment, we distrust the close friendships that would have prevented the cycle from starting. Why I'm talking about this now is because it's relevant to how the last episode ended. Helen just witnessed a suicide, and Bobby is expecting to be ostracized from his peers for playing a part in the events that led up to it. Unfortunately, Bobby seems to have an issue leaning on Lindsay. Mm -hmm. If I were to speculate from personal experience, I'd say that after everything he's gone through recently... He may have realized that it's become too much to ask one person to help him deal with. People with PTSD often avoid opening up because they fear that once they do, it will be as overwhelming to others as it is to them. And he wants to protect her. her. In this case, he turned to the person who just went through the experience with him, someone who's also been his friend and coworker for years. That was unquestionably the healthy thing for him to do. Watching that scene with you guys, it didn't seem like you agreed. Mike joked about Lindsay walking in, and Keith remarked that he was getting grayish vibes from it, and later said that something is going on between Helen and Bobby. That sounded like something I hear a lot. A judgment against people getting emotional support from anyone other than their spouse. The argument is usually that something could happen between them, so they shouldn't risk getting that close. To that, I would point out that, one, we don't condemn people for something they might do. Two, he's already tried a relationship with Helen, and he chose Lindsay. Three, 
They've been developing a friendship for several years, and any two adults can have as close of a friendship as they want, because if they're not having sex, then no one has the right to tell them they can't be friends. Jealousy doesn't give anyone a license to control their partner. Now, I'm not saying either of you is expressing judgment that is personally motivated by jealousy or insecurity. It could be that both of you have plenty of emotionally supportive connections. In which case, I would have to cancel my TED Talk on two lonely podcasters. <laughs> For the listener at home, that was an old callback. The point I'm making is that when we see people developing intimacy through emotional support with anyone other than their spouse, the knee-jerk reaction is to... Hold on, hold on. Mike's calling a timeout. I know, he's on closing time. But I feel like I want to just point out two things real quick before we hear his closing. One, Phoenix, you should seriously consider an ASMR channel because you got the dulcet tones for it. Absolutely. It's true. It's, it's definitely true. Two, just remind me, Keith, when we, when we, when we get to commenting on this, that it's not, you know what? I forget it. Continue, continue rolling. I just want to talk about him talking ASMR. Okay, good. Well, there's only 15 seconds left. We okay, got great. this. Condemn it as emotional infidelity. But drawing attention to the issues that creates is an important step to normalizing close and supportive friendships. In other words, stop being knee jerks. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think all very good and valid points. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, and in, in real life, I couldn't agree more that yes. there is definitely a, there's a distinction between intimate feelings and romantic feelings. And mm -hmm. so, you know, if you're going to, if you want to talk about like emotional or fair or whatever, I don't like intimate feelings are completely different than romantic feelings. You, you don't have an, you're not having an emotional affair until you're having romantic feelings. I have intimate feelings with all sorts of people in my life. And I have I have intimate, close relationships with people of all genders. So it's so I'm I'm with you 100 percent. What I will say about this, and then it's your turn, Mike, is that we were not reacting to the real life practical elements of that scene. We were reacting to 1990s, early 2000 television writing tropes, television storytelling, because the the writing of it is not nearly as sophisticated, I think, as what you are describing in that type of relationship. In TV trope world, you know, we are to learn, we are to learn from this scene that something is up between Lindsay and Bobby because of this. In in real life, I think I'm a hundred percent with you. That's that's entirely appropriate. But because it is not that scene is not there uh, alone. Because that episode is bookended yes, by that me, weird, uh, uh, handsy, flirty moment from the beginning of the scene. Go, Mike. Right, yes. So to fill in the context of what Phoenix very astutely uh, uh, told us there is that, yes, not only uh, do I think Lindsay and Bobby are stronger uh, because of their individual friendships with Helen, but they have individual friendships with Helen. Lindsay was both roommate. of them, yeah. Yeah, Lindsay was roommates yeah, with right. Helen. They, when they got, when Bobby and uh, Lindsay were engaged and working through their marriage, Helen was a big help during that period of time. She was an emotional yeah, she support, was a support for both of them. And she, and she was also supportive of the relationship itself. Now, what I think is 
here's some context that, see, see we aren't looking at it through the lens, of, like Keith said, as just uh, what, it, it's, I have no suspicion in of Bobby's continued feelings for Helen outside of, as Keith mentioned, at the beginning of that episode, there's this weird beat where Helen falls on Bobby and is flirty, even though she's drunk, regardless, it's not about that, it's about Lindsay's reaction. Lindsay gives that, that look, we get exactly an upshot right. focus on it, and it's clear she's uncomfortable. Now, we couple that with the knowledge that Bobby's been distant recently. He hasn't been open and honest with her. We know the context, more so than Lindsay, of Bobby's last flirty flirt with the Black Widow lady. Right, so Bobby had an actual emotional affair with her because he actually fell romantically in love with her. So as, as viewers, we are now a little bit leery of Bobby's feelings, confusion, confused feelings of Lindsay. Like we had that last beat, we've talked about this last week as well, Keith, <clears throat> where he says to her, I just felt like I had to take care of her. But I don't know that if that, that's him realizing that truth in the moment or it's him BSing out of an uncomfortable situation with his wife, yeah. unknown. Well, we, <clears throat> we have been taught throughout this season not to trust Bobby, <laughs> to not trust his intentions and his feelings and 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 Helen in some ways otherwise. So I think your your point about that scene about and your your point about PTSD is a thousand percent right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and you know these people supporting each other in a vacuum, you're absolutely right. That was healthy and right and that was the that was a healthy and good interaction between the two of them. But it's just not happening within a vacuum and it's not happening in the real world, it's in TV trope time. So we're, we're certainly being led to believe something is rotten in Denmark. I also, you know, to, to Phoenix's point, though, what I would like to see moving forward is, is a couple of things. One, I'd like to see Bobby maybe not ask for, but receive some of that emotional support outside of the women in his life, right? I'd like to see Jimmy or Eugene, who's supposed to be one of his good buddies, be there for him in a way that is emotionally supportive. And it's not just Rebecca being a voice of advice and and or Helen because it's a shared there's a shared trauma there. And what I want to see from I want to see as we close out maybe this Bobby arc of is is some agency for Lindsay. I just feel yeah. like Lindsay is like, oh, what's wrong with Bobby? Or Bobby, I feel this way, and blah, 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 blah. And she's being told how to feel or or that she's what she's feeling is silly and, and not getting a lot of validation. So I'd like to see Lindsay have a, be written with a little bit more emotional agency. Yeah. Uh, because, you well, know, she's been through some shit, too. And I think she deserves, we deserve to see their relationship. Look, I'm all well, for seeing complicated relationships, but I'd like to see it a little bit more grounded in in. And, and you also said something. The first thing you said was, I'd like to see Bobby ask for more support. And and then you took it back. I, I, I'm with you on the first one. Like, like, Bobby needs to take some responsibility for his own emotional health. And that doesn't mean he can just, like, magically not... I'm not saying he suck it up and get better. I'm saying he go and seek the help that he needs. He needs counseling. He needs support. Mm -hmm. He needs... He's gone through all these things. And his lack of taking that seriously and getting himself the support he needs professionally with friends, whatever it is, has had repercussions for all the people around him. And so, yeah, I think he does. He, he deserves more support, but he needs to make sure he gets it too. You know, Keith, let's practice what we preach. Mm. Keith and I need emotional support. And not only do we need emotional support, we need your support for the show. 
It doesn't ah. have to be fiscal. Good it can pivot. just be by leaving a rating or review. Join mm. the jury. Be a yeah. part. You know, Phoenix Cage, listen, if you got something to say, we'll give you all the airtime you want. It doesn't just have to be Phoenix. If you've got a deep, lovely voice like he does, that helps. But if not, if you just have a salient point to offer, I'll tell you what, even one that isn't salient, one that's just <laughs> straight up ridiculous. Just make noise. To leave it, make some noise on the internet and let us know if it's not Apple Podcasts, it's if another podcast service of choice, just let us know and we shall shout it out on the air. Yes, indeed we did. All right, well, let us continue the pivot. Mike just did a beautiful pivot. Let us continue forward with the show because we have to get to the episode. We have to talk about all sorts of things. We have to hop back into the time machine. And this week we are going back to February 24th, the year 2002, which brings up the eternal question, hey, what was going on? This day in the basement. You know, I, I don't have a, a specific here, Keith, but I will I'll roll, draw a parallel <clears throat> to what we were just talking about. You know, I've mentioned a few times that during this this period of college or living in New York, I guess, I, I was bookended by two dear friends, my, my good friend Jason and my dear friend Tina, who are both dear friends to this day. And I had a girlfriend at the time. But what was really interesting was is that uh, me and my friend Tina were sort of having, I don't want to call it an emotional affair, but we were developing a friendship with a lot of potential other uh, uh, feelings uh, and all kinds of hormones uh, clouding those things. Mm, now, mm -hmm. I'll give you a spoiler alert for later. We actually do eventually explore a different type of relationship later in the game. Uh, and much like Helen and Bobby decide that it is not for us, <laughs> we're not compatible sure. in that way. And we're able to sustain a really, really great friendship uh, to this very day. My wife is good friends with her. They all, everybody knows what the score is and it's and it's fine. So, it, so yes, uh, I, I, I do want to point important. out- I think that's important. That's important and healthy. I've, I've, I've gone through that as well. And yes. it's a very, it's, I, I think it's, it's valuable. And I think that, you know, when you're younger, it's actually a really good point. Cause when you're younger, sometimes, that emotional intimacy that you develop with friends can be confused. It can be confused with other things. And uh, it is, a, I think, a very, and I, I don't think I comprehended it at the time. I, I came to learn that, you know, it seems like, oh, it's just a failed relationship. You know, we tried it out and we just like, we're not compatible. But no, it's more that sometimes you decide that the relationship serves both parties better as a friendship without a sexual sort of Well, it, it was a successful relationship. It just it wasn't is. a romantic relationship. Yes. Uh, yeah, we try, and when we tried it that way, it just didn't, it just wasn't. Yeah, yeah that, that's, it wasn't it, what it was. sometimes it's just not that, and that's okay. But uh, Keith, you do have a more specific recollection I of do. this period I of time. I do, because this week was the performances of Stephen Sondheim's Passion, at the Eastman Opera Studio, um, you teased last week, which uh, which I teased right, and uh, so we we did the performances, and I have a picture of uh, of me playing Colonel Ricci in uh, with now I don't know what's going on with those pants. That's bad. Uh, 
but I had a goatee that they filled in. So half of that beard is fake and half of that beard is real. So oh, hold on. Good, uh, uh, pardon us while we give it just a little. Let's get a little zoomsy on that. <laughs> a little zoomsy on it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was it, it was a really good show. I felt terrible about it because both performances, there was a cue that got screwed up right before like my big song. Mm. And uh, it, it was like it, everything happened. It was awkward. And it was it was sort of half my fault and half the fault of somebody else. I was like, yeah, because you're young, right? I was waiting for a cue, like a line, before I and there's a vamp, and then there's a line, and then I start this. Oh Jesus! And then I start the song, and every time in both performances, the guy blew the line, and I just waited, oh. and then somebody else had to bail me out. I don't know. It was sort of my fault. But uh, and I'll say really quickly what I really remember. Enough already, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Might keep zooming in on my face. Uh, the thing I remember most about this uh, was on the nights I wasn't performing, there were dual casts. Uh, I was turning pages for uh, for the music director who was playing the piano. His name was Benton Hess. And uh, I first found that stressful to sort of have to turn pages for the... Because he's a, he's, he's a pretty famous you know, opera director, coach, pianist, so on and so forth. But I ended up finding that to be this profoundly uh, great experience because I'm just turning pages, right? But in order to turn pages in in a show like this, A, I'm reading the music with Benton. We basically have have to to breathe. We have to breathe and read together. I'm listening to this unbelievably great Sondheim score. I'm reading this great Sondheim score. I'm watching an incredible musician play this score and feel like we're collaborating in some weird way. I'm basically just watching him super intently. Uh, But it, it ended up being this unbelievably cool experience that I felt more like a musician doing that than I did singing in the show. And uh, so, I don't know, It was I, I felt very privileged to be given that opportunity. And I actually emailed him about it a couple of weeks ago. All right. And he was he was happy to hear about it. So, uh, so that's what I was doing uh, way up on the uh, 12th floor little opera studio, doing a pretty good production of uh, Sondheim's Passion. All right. All right. Let us move forward. Let's zoom out and talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, once again, we are talking about February 24th, the year 2002, uh, Sunday night, as always, lately on The Practice. The top song was Always On Time with Ja Rule featuring Ashanti for the second week. The local paper talked about Vermont Olympians look forward. It was, of course, the uh, Winter Olympics we talked about a little bit about last week. And in the Winter Olympics, you're going to find some Vermonters because uh, Vermont's all about the winter. So lots of uh, skiers and such. Um, so that's happening. The top movie was Queen of the Damned. You remember that one? It was like sort a of a horror film. 
No, it was sort of a sequel to uh, Interview with the Vampire. It's 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 based on the Lestat series. It's the Anne oh, Rice okay. books. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and it was. It's not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> but uh, but Stuart Townsend was good in it. Are you talking about the and cover it, we're listening to or the movie? It, <laughs> all of the above. And this podcast. Hey, yeah, fair, we're so fair. consistent. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting movie because I I read several of those books. I I think Anne Rice is a great writer. Uh, yeah, I loved. Uh, I don't remember. In fact, I think I read the one after Lestat too, which was like um, the Mummy. No, it's the. I don't know. Anyway, well, somebody was, will write it memorable. and tell us. Yeah, I mean they're they're good stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, that's what happened. Now let's uh, let's get to the segment everybody's really here for. Yeah, it's time. It's time. It's time for sports. On this day, the 2002 Winter Olympics closing ceremony took place in Salt Lake City. Germany took home the most medals with 36, followed by the United States with 34 and Norway with 25. Sarah Hughes took a surprising gold in figure skating over her teammate and favorite Michelle Kwan. The closing ceremony also marked the final live performance of Kiss with their original lineup. Huh. Well, that, see, we got to something interesting. <laughs> come on. I, I didn't I mean, know that that was the final performance of Kiss. Uh, with the original lineup. I mean, come on. Sarah Hughes taking the gold over Michelle Kwan. That was a surprise. Sarah Hughes wasn't supposed to medal. She crushed it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember, like, specific Olympics sometimes, but that one. Uh, look, I'm a man who enjoys figure skating. I just, I, I just do. I, I find it exciting. It's good. All right. Now. I'm a man who enjoys figure Dude, I'm pumped for the Summer Olympics. Uh, they aren't supposed to, they shouldn't be being held. It doesn't seem uh, safe in many ways, uh, says the uh, international, you know, everyone. But, hell, I guess we're going to do it, so let's do it. I'm in. Well, I'm, I'm sure we can get the, everybody vaccinated, and that'll be fine. Okay. We'll hope. We, we, yeah. we, choose, we choose to believe. Yeah. Uh, the, the privileged countries will all be vaccinated and we'll be fine. And everyone else will be screwed. That's well, I'll you be know. okay. I'll be watching from my TV. Yes. Well, I, I'm excited because I work from home now and like I don't have any school nights. So I can watch as much as I want, even especially because most of it's going to happen in the middle of the night because it's in I Japan. do remember that. Uh, just to go back uh, stay in the time machine for a minute. I do remember my dad. Uh, we had that big rear projection TV. And I do remember mm -hmm. this. I believe this was the Olympics. One of the there was this was the Winter Olympics. And there was one Summer Olympics where, if you recall, you could get pay-per-view, a special Olympic package. And you got extra oh, channels, sure. the red channel or the, the gold channel, the red, white and blue channels. That's what it was. So you could like bounce around. It was absurdly expensive and you could watch all the different events. And now... Our cup runneth over with you can. Watch it's all there, online. yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Gonna be fun. All right. Uh, mercifully, mercifully, it is. I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Oh. Okay, we are finally talking about Season 6, Episode 14, Man and Superman. Boy, here it is. It has a teleplay by Lucas Reiter, who last wrote on The Test, and Jonathan Shapiro, who last wrote on Pro Se. And okay, directed, like yeah, and directed by veteran Jean Soir, who last directed on Honor Code. Which leaves us with only one more sexy 
thing to do, folks. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? Bobby. What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Keith, we've had some great episodes. Our scores have been high. We've enjoyed them. We've had some furtive discussion with our friends, with our colleagues, with our uh, lovely viewer. (laughs) This week, it seems prime if we go back to the slate, uh, which is telling me everything I need to know, really. Let's see if we can get back there. Uh, Mike remembers how to run the show. This has everything lined up for a Jimmy Dum Dum episode. We haven't had one in a while. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So, and this week, I can't wait to talk about our guest star because love this guy. He's one of those guys who's in everything. Uh, mm-hmm. This feels like an episode where a, where a guy is uh, playing vigilante for some reason, playing a, but a, but a hero hmm. vigilante and going about the city of Boston and trying to uh, crime stop, crime fight. And okay. in doing so, uh, probably does something dumb, like um, like uh, like hurts a bad guy, you know, like injures a bad guy or kills a bad right. guy uh, in trying I'm to be Batman. helpful, pretending he's Superman. Uh, right. And so we've got to defend this guy. Uh, I don't know why he does this. That's uh, uh, maybe he's. You know what? I'm got to be sexy. So. He is trying to <laughs> impress a woman who he wants to have Superman sexy time with. Every Superman needs his lowest, Keith. That's and true. And this guy injured somebody in uh, in trying to be a hero, trying to be Superman, and Jimmy has to defend him in a dumb, dumb Jimmy episode. Okay. Well, there, folks, you have it. It is now time. Uh, if if you're if you're just listening on your ears, just you know, don't stop listening. But if you're don't on stop. the YouTube's, hop over to your podcasting service of choice and listen to us. Listen to Man and Superman. We'll see it for the oopsies. Well, it's season six. It happens to be episode fourteen. Man and it's a bird. It's a plane. Oh, it's Jimmy defending some guy dressed as Superman. They told me you were busy. Thanks for seeing me. It's been a long time. Five years. Which I can't hear. When you left the bank, I remember Bill saying that you got a job in a law firm. How is Bill? Is he okay? Yeah, Bill's alright. No. Nope. Jimmy, he's not. He's not, Mike. Jesus. That was insensitive of me. It I started slow. He would forget things. Like amnesia? No. He's delusional. Bill schizophrenic. Oh. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, now we know who's He's dressed been up like as Superman. This for almost five years. <laughs> I can't care for him alone anymore. There's a home, a mental institution. I put him there two years ago. Tell me how I can help. For the most part, he's lived there without any problems. And then... Is that her husband? eight months ago... Yes. He fell out of window. He fell out of window? On the seventh floor. Oh, my God. But he survived. Yes. A canopy on the third floor broke his fall. That and a man named Edward Green. Who? 
an accountant who happened to be walking by the building. Bill landed on him and killed him instantly. Yikes. Who's being sued, Jimmy? Me too. I'm his legal guardian. Deborah, if you need a lawyer, I'll do whatever I can. Did he Superman out the window, Keith? Is that where we're going with this? He thinks he's Superman. <laughs> My husband <laughs> thinks that he is Superman. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure what to say to that. We got a Jimmy Dum Dum episode. But it's not in his mind. He really believes it, Jimmy. And what scares me? I don't think he fell out that window. I think he was trying to fly. Why'd they have the goddamn window open? Feels like negligence on the home's part. Good question. But while we're doing it, let's, uh... A lady whose husband thinks he's Superman. I guess that makes her the Lois, right? Must make her this, the Lois. Th that's true. This wife is played by Deborah Muntz from Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, my sister-in-law's favorite movie in the wide, whole wide world, The Net, and uh, Get Used to This. She was also... Played, she played Laura Redstone, uncredited, in part one. Oh my god. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals, rhyming at your door. So welcome back to the practice, I'll pretend that I'm a recognized. I saw you in season two and you met your demise. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. I've got a hearing that day. So do I, and mine's in federal court. We're not making childcare decisions based on Lizzie's jurisdiction. Lizzie's hair got longer. Please, I need you Tends to help to. me this one time. We need to find a new babysitter. I understand, but I've got a full plate. But so do I, but that never seems to count. Meanwhile, you Shit. keep taking on new cases. I'm being criticized for that now? We need new cases to keep this place running. Sometimes you need to choose family before work. Sorry. This sounds like a pretty good fight, but they're all waiting. I love Lucy. <laughs> the Munces need our help. A lot of people need our help, Jimmy. But I know these people. Bill Munce was my friend. What? So why are they wait, just wait. hiring you now? They have a client that they know previously? Now, one would say that their trepidation is warranted because, you know what? When we try to help out our friends in this firm, it ne'er goes well. All right. One would say that the trepidation is warranted. Because no, you're not we welcome here. You're not welcome murdered here. Murdered everyone. <laughs> but that said, there's also a hypocrisy because once it's Jimmy's friend, if it's someone Bobby wants to poke or someone somebody went to college with, like Helen, let's not forget the time. Some guy you knew in one class, we all jumped on a plane to go defend him for free. Uh, Lindsay, yes, yes, yes. yes and yes. Uh, excuse me. Yes. They they represented the dentist who assaulted Lucy. Mm -hmm. Everyone yet, that the and, and Bobby's old friend killed the baby. And this is also not a bad case because we've got negligence clearly on the on the the open window. We've got a guy who's clearly mentally incapacitated. This is not a case we're going to just outright turn down. It's just, it's a buddy, okay? Yeah, yeah. 
also, it's, you know, one minute into the episode. We have to take the case. The hospital told them they'd work out a settlement with the victim's wife, but they couldn't make a deal. So it's going to trial. When? Two days. Yeah, you can't course. just jump into a complicated tort case on two days' notice. It's yeah, not yeah. complicated. But that's what, what we, we always do. Everybody <laughs> agrees he's nuts. Everybody agrees he pancaked the guy. We're talking about priorities. Has anyone has taken has there ever been a situation where like, oh, we got this great case. How long your... do we have? Six weeks. Great. We can relax and study. <laughs> We've got six weeks and about four episodes, so it's cool. And Bruce Davidson's yeah, yeah. coming back, so it's all everything's great. <laughs> Attention. It won't take. We're gonna get to that asbestos case. Defending a wrongful death case means no contingency. These people got nobody else to turn to. Now, Jimmy, is his wife cute? And has she possibly murdered anybody? Because in that case, Bobby all ears. I got a big ear. One day. That's all you get. If the case isn't settled, I want you out. That's all I ask. Now, I gotta go. Wait, Jimmy, I'm going with you. Lindsay. We need a babysitter. I suggest you start looking. Damn. I thought you were talking about need a babysitter for Jimmy. Bill's <laughs> been deeply affected by this. Okay, hold on. Superman. Stop it right yeah, there. It sure is. Guy who plays a doctor. Uh, he's famous, and he's also been on the practice like four times, right? This is Tony Amendola. Who played Alvin Traub in The Means, Dr. Emmanuel Willis in Race Ipsa Loquitur, and this is his third separate character. And do you know what happens when mm -hmm. you reach your third character on the practice? Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Here we go, kids. We're not supposed to know this match you've been on the show before. Put some stink but on it. After a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging back for more. So welcome back to the practice. We'll pretend that we don't recognize that you were here before in season four. And you massachute the scenery. First you were a judge who was a bit of a dick. Now you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick. In silence of the lands, you were a bit of a dick. In real life, I'm sure that you're a really nice guy. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Heroes don't kill innocent people. Did you Sometimes. tell them you were coming? Yes, of course. You didn't see Snyder's what Superman? What should I call him? Bill or what? Superman? Normally Bill. We do our best here not to indulge the delusion. When we do, it's only to keep him calm. Won't the medication help him with that? To some extent. But Bill's not responding to the current drugs. I'm not educated enough to really keep score, but I would, I would venture a guess that the early 2000s representation of schizophrenic patients is probably a bit, let's say, broad? Oh, I don't know what could possibly be considered broad about this storyline. A fat guy dressed as Superman leaping out the window because he doesn't know any better? That feels Yeah, no, that, it seems authentic <laughs> and sensitive and uh, just, just a really nuanced and... Uh, <laughs> An understanding. I I did Jimmy just say, should I call him Bill or Superman? 
You sure did. Okay. So I know oh, where wait. we're at. So the Bill Mons I knew is almost completely gone, Mr. Baluti. But he's still there. He still has rare moments of lucidity. You need to understand. Bill Mons is mentally ill. That means he can be unpredictable, even unreasonable. He's a good actor, though, so hopefully he won't be, like, totally... Oh, well. Costuming didn't help. Jimmy! Okay. Bill! Yep, there he is and his... Okay, he, we need... There's a disclaimer in the episode, folks, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it right now. Yeah. I have a few acquaintances who suffer from this disease. Uh, now, every case is different. Um, I would absolutely implore you to do some research and to, uh, you know, watch some videos if you're interested in the matter and you're looking for a nuanced, as Keith mentioned, sensitive, uh, realistic, you know, realistic experience with this. We, I'm tr going to treat it as it is, which is a, a, a campy television show, uh, and probably going to laugh quite a bit. That does not reflect my true emotions on the subject. I feel like that's worth saying. I, that is very much worth saying. Because, uh, yeah. you know, and honestly, I don't know enough about it to be able to speak to a great deal about it, but this is, this is some pretty silly TV. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, while we're at it, uh, on a much less important subject, uh, licensing. Yeah. So yes, I was going to say that, but go ahead. So, I, with fair use, you can reference a a character like Superman mm -hmm. and Jimmy Olsen and and uh, Lois Lane, all that kind of stuff. But they clearly could not fair He's use insignia. his mm -hmm. his uh, his his uh, suit or his logo. So there's a very cheap and lazy fake Superman. Uh, suit being worn here. Well, Warner that is Brothers what... has owned that for quite... DC and Warner Brothers has owned that IP for a while, I believe, at this point in time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fox definitely couldn't touch it. Uh, ABC, ABC, but this, ABC. Is this is clearly what the... As close as their lawyers would let them get, which <laughs> is not that close. Uh... I'm sorry. When they said my friend Jimmy was here, I assumed they meant Jimmy Olsen. Have we met? No, I don't think we have. I'm Jimmy Berluti. This is Lindsay Dole. We're your lawyers. Well, you must be here about the accident. Yes, we were hoping to talk about that. Well, I don't know what more I can say. It was a busy morning, and the attendance here at times can get me a little distracted. I try to fly without my cape. Your cape. All I can say is, I made a mistake. It's just, I didn't realize the cape was that important. Well, of course it's important. I can't fly without it. I understand. A man is dead. And it's my fault. Nothing I can do will ever change that. I'll have to live with that for the rest of my life. At least he's playing it straight as an arrow. That's helpful. He is. And while we're doing it, let's introduce who he is. Guy who probably has screenshots of this sent to him pretty frequently. Yeah. 
Soups. Soups. This is Kevin Dunn, mm-hmm. uh, who you've seen in many, many things. Uh, probably, most likely, Veep, Veep, but also Warrior, Dave. Great movie. True Detective, Samantha Who, Draft Day, Luck, and Transformers Dark of the Moon. This is a uh, character actor who works constantly. Yeah, you know this guy. Actually, you may not remember me, Bill, but you and I once knew each other. I didn't keep in touch. Sorry about that. There was just a giant continuity error there. We were friends. In the scene where we've talked extensively about his cape. Yeah. Which he was clearly wearing when he first entered, and now it has mysteriously disappeared. It's also now a thermal shirt, whereas I'm not sure before it was. 726. I think it was. But it was hidden up underneath his cape. cape. Your cape. Which is there. all right, I okay, if you're, if you're looking at it, you want to see a great continuity error. The line he says, it's I just, couldn't fly without my cape, no cape, cut to Jimmy, yes cape. And then no cape again. And then no cape again. I'm sorry. I don't remember. The mysterious flying cape, which apparently does fly all by but itself. The man I knew, he never would have meant to hurt anyone. This was not your fault. Sometimes bad things happen, even to heroes. Not the least of which, who gave him this suit? In the institution. With boxing pants, although I gotta tell you, Keith, with that scoring and everything, uh, who, who do we, are the writers credited on this episode? Yes, we've already credited them. It's uh, Lucas Ryder and Jonathan Shapiro. One of those two wrote that line, sometimes bad things happen, even to heroes, and felt real proud after writing that. They're like, yeah, that's the one. That, that's the <laughs> Hell one. Hell yeah, that's my tagline Aren't you concerned about the episode. effects a trial might have on him? Yes, for Bill's sake, I'd prefer we settle. So why haven't you? We've done everything we could, but Mrs. Green and her lawyer are being totally unreasonable. The woman is entitled to something. Her husband was killed. Sure, but she's suing for $15 million. We offered her a million dollars. She won't settle for less than three. You don't have insurance? Of course we do, but we're worried our carrier will drop our coverage if we get hit for too much. If that happens, we're finished. Patients that we've and treated for years will be thrown into state medical <laughs> institutions, if I there's room. Will. Most will end up on the street. But if you lose a trial, the sky's the limit on damages. And let's face it, he jumped out of... But much like Superman, Keith, they put some glasses on him, and now he's unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> your Even though he plays you a lead role in this episode, he's still going to be Only a different if the character jury next thinks time. We're to blame. Speaking Wait. of we're, I know you're going to blame from so, This is going to be the longest episode of all time, but it's important to introduce the lawyer for the institution, uh, who's played by Stephen Culp, who you might recognize his voice. You'd know him from Desperate Housewives. Thirteen days, Jason goes to hell. Captain America, Winter Soldier, Bosch, The West Wing, Jag, and he plays Major Hayes on five episodes of Star Trek Enterprise! Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. And his position legally is pretty clear in this episode, Keith. He believes that the institution is not culpable. Bill? 
He's insane. You were responsible for him. We're not blaming Bill. We find in favor. My <laughs> son, Bill. Talk to his wife. His wife? Ultimately, we didn't push him out that window. She did. What are you talking about? On the day Bill fell, his wife came to visit to tell Bill she was filing for divorce. Oh shit. Now by the client client the wife. Fly, Mr. Baluti. He was trying to kill himself. Okay, that's a good plan B though. Yeah. It's still doesn't uh I, in my opinion, doesn't change anything. Because you're a mental institution. Why you, you have to I'm prevent sorry, people from trying to kill themselves. Deborah. That's got to be a regular part of your times. job. He never said anything about the divorce. Look, I'm not exactly proud of myself. We've been married for almost 14 years. For the last five, I've been watching him fall apart, praying that he gets better. Deborah, you don't need to. I know I'm supposed to love him. Stay with him. And I swear to you both, I have tried, but you don't know what my life has become. Do you think this, this was a suicide attempt? Is that what they're planning on saying? They don't use their yes. lights in the office anymore, they're saving money. Them. Please, you cannot let Bill hear that. They let the Munsters think the case would settle. There wasn't going to be a trial. So Deborah and Bill walk into court unprepared and get slaughtered with the judgment. What are you going to do now? Well... Plan B. What exactly are you getting at? Well, Mrs. Green. Rebecca, is we've been over this. I mean, uh, Jorge sent in a whole thing about it. I mean, it's it's when. He's the only one who's been hurt by this. The Munsters have too. Emotional distress, pain, and suffering put the blame where it belongs. So you think we should sue the hospital? Hell Damn yeah! Right. Oh boy. The woman has run out crying. Just another day at the office. She's got a yep. sens sensible pantsuit. And giving a very uh, subtle performance. <laughs> Wait, that's a comedic so, beat about Bobby interviewing nannies? Uh-huh. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, because we have no context for that. It's just funny that Bobby made a, a little old lady sob because Bobby is an asshole! He also clearly... You know how easy... Well, you don't... And you don't interview 80-year-old women. Sorry to that actor. She was not 80. Uh, you don't middle-aged women when you could find a 16-year-old to watch your baby for like eight bucks at this time. Yeah, but they, you know, they want somebody fancy. You know, it's Bobby. He needs somebody fancy. Uh, what about Lucy? Can't you just have the baby in the office? Like, it's your it's your firm. Will the judge let you do that? Sue the hospital? I don't hospital? think Lucy would we have that so. in her job description. It's probably our only shot at winning, but it is dangerous. The hospital will come after you and Bill. I don't know how much he can take. You need to understand, if you're found liable, you could lose everything, including the money to pay for his care. Okay. He's been waiting for a while. We should go in. He does think his wife is lost. We're not going to deny what happened. We're just going to say you weren't to blame. Okay. One more thing. 
Okay, look, it is ridiculous, but I, I do want to say the fact that he's playing it straight, the score is playing it super straight, and there's sort of like a a, a sadness in everyone else's kind of portrayal is very, at least it's, I, I, I shouldn't have misspoke, I shouldn't have spoke out before I watched it and said that it was insensitive. Yes, it's a little campy rapper, but it is, there is a sensitivity to it, which is. No, it, it is being played as the tragic situation that it is, which is, which is good. It's just, I, I, I don't really know enough, like how, <laughs> How much have they bent this type of delusion for storytelling purposes? Like, I, because I, you know, it's a very serious thing that they're throwing a campy lens on. Oh, thanks. Mike is negotiating if we can get the judge lunch. To go for it. We want you to wear this Superman outfit. I <laughs> saw the complaint. They named Munts, not Superman. Munts is the one on trial. Bill, they already know you're Superman. Do they? I'm not really sure. Believe me, they definitely know. Oh, he thinks that Munce is his And having the jury see who you are, it could help explain to them how this happened. Really? How? Superman is an icon. America loves you. Yes, which is why I won't wear the outfit. Superman is a role model. He shouldn't be seen on trial. As a matter of fact, now that they know Munster's Superman, I'm going to need your help to change my name. Ms. Dahl, I don't like surprises. Filing a cross-complaint on the day of trial constitutes a surprise. Your Honor, we've only yeah. recently Susan got on Blomert this case. back as Mr. the judge. Mr. Klein, what does the plaintiff have to say about this? Let them point fingers at each other, so long as my client gets what she's entitled to. What we don't want is a continuance. We need Linda time Hunt for discovery. You've had time. No, we haven't. They have had access to our clients from the moment this happened. Your Honor, if the Munces lose, they can always come after us later. That means two trials with the same witnesses and the same testimony. We don't need to try this twice. Since the plaintiff does not object and the hospital did have ample discovery, I'll allow the cross-complaint. We'll begin in an hour. So what's... So what's happening here is we now have three parties in this trial. We have the defendant, the guy who thinks he's Superman, who is being sued by the victim. You have the victim, and then you have the hospital. And so the hospital is trying to defend itself from the victim and from the the guy from our heroes who are suing the hospital and then the victim is trying to so there's there's basically a triangle happening it's a menage a trois legally indeed indeed that's that is the sexier way to put it which is always our goal here you asked if i was worried that a trial could devastate bill the better question is are you You need to understand, Dr. Gorman is a compassionate man who gets paid to care about Bill's condition. I'm not. Noted. When I played the jerky husband on Des Desperate Housewives. In August, it would have been 23 years. 
I'll tell you what, though, the pacing's great. Here we are. We're a third in. Let's get to the trial. Must have loved him yeah. very much. Yes, Mr. Klein. I loved my husband. Tell us what happened, Mrs. Green. This is Sub Susan Merson and Jeff Sugarman. 12. And when we were done, we decided to walk a few blocks to his office. And when did you realize that something was wrong? I slowed up for a minute to look at a dress in one of the windows. Look, I, I don't want to hear that. I mean, let's think about that trauma for a second. It's a Sunday. It's beautiful outside. It's Jill's birthday, right? So you guys are out in the weekend. You're taking a stroll in your new neighborhood, new house, meeting all your people. Oh, you know what? It's your birthday. Let's get a cupcake. You sure. stroll over by, by the bakery, beautiful, cute little bakery. And then a man comes flying out the window and squashes Keith. Yeah, I mean, some would I, say I, birthday dream. I, some would say that now she gets two cupcakes. <laughs> right when you really break it down, that's a double <laughs> cupcake day. It's okay, Bill. <laughs> I heard a scream. Two cupcakes a and a man. pancake. <laughs> that man lying on the sidewalk. He was wearing a Superman costume. And what happened to Ed, Mrs. Green? His neck was broken. I knew he was dead. Thank you. I have nothing further. Mr. Berluti? Mr. Aldridge? Your husband was an accountant. Yes. An accountant who earned $45,000 a year? So? So you're suing for $15 million in damages. The truth is, Mrs. Green, your husband was 53 years old. It would have taken him over 300 years to earn that kind of money. My husband was killed, Mr. Aldrich. Yes, because that woman chose to be reckless. Objection. You don't really believe that we're to blame for his death. Objection. Overruled. This isn't right. I don't like this. Bill? She didn't care about ending her own marriage. Do you think she cares about ending yours? I don't know who is to blame, Mr. Aldrich. All I do know is that my husband is dead. And no amount of money can make that right. Excellent performance. Bill's never tried to fly before. He never discussed the ability to fly. I have a great role for you. I'm your agent. A great role for you. You're a, you're a grieving widow. Oh, my husband was murdered. Well, yes and no. Here are the stakes. Husband squashed like a pancake by a man dressed as Superman. Can you play it? Can you do it? In, in, it's out in the practice. ABC. Uh, uh, yeah, sh sure. Uh, and I'm just going to play it straight. It's like not a, not a, it's not animated. Uh, no, you're very upset, uh, but your husband will be dressed as Superman. Or you're the the the, defend, the defendant will be dressed as Superman. Great. Should I do all of my acting with with an eyebrow? Yeah. Also, we're gonna need to just shoot the back of you to also play a babysitter who's weeping and running out of the office because you have curly hair and you're like a woman of a certain age. Is that cool? Too? Great. Great. And and in order to demonstrate the fact that I'm sad, I should be flailing all of my all four limbs in various directions while I run out of the office. Absolutely. We also don't have any uh, budget for wardrobe. So do you have like a really just ugly pantsuit? I'm wearing one right now. Excellent. Flying is right. just not part of his pathology. Uh, did Mr. Muntz appear suicidal before that day? No. If he had, we would have lodged them on a more secure floor. Then why do you think this was a suicide attempt? 
To understand, you need to know about Bill's condition. Has his condition improved since being at the hospital? No. About all we can do is keep him safe and calm. That means keeping stress to an absolute minimum. Why? You let the window open? It triggers inappropriate behavior. I think stress made him try to end his life. And what stress are you referring to? Bill's wife, Deborah, visited on the day in question. I met her at the reception desk and walked her into a private room. About 10 minutes later, I walked by that room and saw Bill alone crying. Did you ask him what was wrong? Yes, but he wouldn't say. I got him calmed down, then I went to get his medication. It was then that Bill jumped out the window. He dresses like Superman. He calls his wife Lois. But you didn't think he might try to fly. What happened had nothing to do with his assumption of Superman's identity. So he's lying when he said he tried to fly? At some level, I'm sure he believes it. But that's just the defense mechanism. Bill Muntz heard his wife say she was leaving him. Bill Muntz tried to kill himself, not Superman. And this you is a being very doctor, weak you argument from exactly what reality position. It's a very bad or like you know he's schizophrenic, right? You've diagnosed him with schizophrenia. He and Jimmy's right. He thinks he can fly. He could lock the windows. Hello. Right. And and your counter argument is that his wife who is under an incredible amount of stress. I mean, caring for a sick person and for what it doesn't even, she doesn't even need justification. You're allowed to get divorced. You're allowed to serve your husband that, that she should know that that's going to compel him to murder himself by jumping out the window. And so, so she should be responsible to pay out the victim's wife. It's right, absurd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like if you built a car that didn't have any brakes, right. And then, all right. So you got in a fight with Jen and I lent you my car with no brakes. And I'm like, it's Jen's fault. She pissed you off that you drove it off a cliff. Well, I mean, that... Reality, I mean, he's Jen's in fault, at any given moment. <laughs> I know he's ill. He needs a safe place, which we provided him until his wife destroyed it. Move to strike. But it wasn't a safe place. Sustain. Didn't lock the but windows. You're able to disregard. As director of the hospital, Bam. you treat patients and make staffing decisions. Yes. Doctor. Isn't it a fact that last year your hospital was bought by a parent company? Yes, but... And less than three months after you were bought, you reduced your staff by almost 30%. The company chose to streamline our costs. The reduction hasn't proven a danger to anyone. Tell Ed Green that. Objection. Withdrawn. There were no bars on the windows, were there, Doctor? No. Because bars cost money. They also intimidate and frighten the patients. Well, that's worse than letting them fall out a window? I told you before that day he wasn't suicidal. Did you ask Mrs. Muntz why she was there that day? Well, no. If you were so concerned about Mr. Muntz's fragile psyche, why didn't you ask her why she was there? Because I thought Mrs. Muntz cared about her husband's mental health. It never occurred to me that she would behave so recklessly. I mean, the wife is one of the victims here. Somebody died in your care. I love kids. I have six of my own. Six? They're what older than you. Roach? Are you Bobby's got a clipboard. Oh, no, 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 absurd. we're not. Ever been accused of misconduct with a child? No, of course not. Bobby's doing have what, dear? <laughs> Bobby, no. Any problems with drugs or alcohol? Oh, wait just a minute. The agency told me you were nice people. Sorry, this is new for me. Before I hire someone to take care of my son, I like to be sure about them. Well, I understand. I do have excellent references. 
I see only two families listed. I was with those people for over 10 years without a problem. What about an AIDS test? What? An what? AIDS test? No, I have not had an AIDS test. Exactly how old are you? I tell you what, I am old enough to know I don't need this. I tell and you what, I'm going to introduce the nanny with a random bumper. This nanny is Judith Montgomery, who is also a returner. She was a receptionist in Spirit of America. Wow. I think you should sing it, Mike. Two, three, four. You are not supposed to know this, that you've been on the show before. But now that bitch gets twice the residuals and the banging that jet door. At first you were a summon and you see me do bow. Then you did a little thing and then you knew it did now. And we don't should have know it, don't see me do cow. Then come back to the practice tonight. Yeah, perfect. That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> oh, that was that sound effect was my mind blowing. That Bobby asked her if she had an AIDS test. That aged well. Eek. Good luck staying married to this pig. Whoa. That's Dylan fucking McDermott. And don't you ever disrespect hmm. him like that. He's aged better what? than all of our jokes. I lost him the day he forgot my name. He started calling me Lois. Why did you place him at Clarendon Hall? I kept him at home as long as I could. Please understand, I'm still in love with the man I married. It's just, Bill isn't that man anymore. I've lost my husband. Tell us why you went to see him that day. I went to tell Bill I was asking for a divorce. Was that really something that he needed to hear? Yes. We've been together a long time. It's something he deserved to hear from me. And how did he react when you told him about it? At first, he was confused and upset. He said that Superman and Lois could never be apart. But by the time I left, he seemed okay. This wasn't the first time you considered a divorce, was it? That's not true. You didn't want to be married to a mid-level banker. You resented Bill for his lack of ambition. Objection, Your Honor. This is what Bill Muntz told his therapist the first year he got to the hospital. That's privileged. We can use his statements to defend ourselves. He's right, Ms. Dahl. By suing the hospital, you waived the privilege. I loved my husband, Mr. Aldridge. Then why That's did you make him so miserable? Role. He said you called him weak, stupid. Like if I sue my therapist, then that. your husband they chose to, to be tell Superman. Every, everything I said. In his mind, he had to be perfect to make you happy. Objection. Argumentative. Sustained. This past year, Mrs. Muntz, how many times did you visit your husband? She came when she could. Bill, please. Mrs. Muntz? I don't know. Nine times. Nine times, Mrs. Muntz. You can't even make it there one day a month. It's hard for me to see him like this. Stop him from hurting Lois. Why didn't you talk to his doctor first? Excuse me? You're his legal guardian. You were filing for divorce. You had to know Bill might get upset. Why not ask for his doctor's permission? I don't need permission to speak with my husband. Your husband, Mrs. Muntz, is mentally ill. You're going to leave him and you don't tell his doctor ahead of time? Objection. Stop it! None of this has anything to do with truth or justice. Bill. Or the American way, for that matter. Right she doesn't no. have to worry about me. 
I'm Superman. Council, sit him down now or he's out of here faster than a speeding bullet. Oh, good oh, God. That's our job, Judge. You stick to the law. We'll stick to the puns that really, really aren't funny and are probably unnecessary and potentially insensitive. Wildly inappropriate. <laughs> yes, let's make fun of the mentally ill. That's another one of those zingers they were like, when they yeah, typed that, that same like, writer was nailed like, it. Yeah, we'll yeah, testify. Yeah, yeah. That's how you blow a scene. We need to sit down. Attacking Lois like that. We can't let them get away with it. I don't think he should testify. I don't like it either, but you didn't do so. I don't know for sure. And like I said, every case is very, very different. But I'm, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there are some pretty significant anti-delusionals that could probably get, that they would probably force him to take whilst on trial at least or well I, I you know i wrote that down too although now having the second time going through it they mention they just sort of toss it off they're like oh he's not responding to the medications oh, but, okay i didn't hear that which right because I, but it feels like that would be a much bigger part of this conversation because the antipsychotics are pr pretty effective from said, my, I, my my understanding as a as a as a musical theater writer, I know a great deal about psychopharmacology, but it is my understanding that they're pretty effective. I, I have very I, I like I said the 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 uh, friend. I'm going to keep this very ge generic, as I've been known to give away too many things. Uh, a friend of a friend that I know is uh, suffers mildly. I believe I know is on anti schizophrenic medication, uh, mm -hmm. so I don't. I would imagine that 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 indicates a schizophrenia diagnosis of some sort, uh, but I'm not certain that it does, so I don't want to. But that said, every encounter I've had with this person has been generally uh, congenial, uh, but save one. And one time we were at a, at a restaurant um, and I was there and my our mutual friend was there and this person was there and uh, this person was feeling very, um, the word I'm looking for, uh, paranoid, I, and thought people hmm. were watching them, and I tried to be helpful the only way I could, as they sort of sort of escalated to a panic attack of sorts, and, and my car was there, and I said, let me give you guys a ride back, and then this person became very, very paranoid of me, and that I was part of the deal, and it, it, it was very intense, very intense, and, very, and, and their reality was very real to them, and so uh, that's, like I said, that's my only experience, but I can see how you know, usually you hear about the paranoia, right? You hear about the sort of the the alternate reality, and this this guy's. It's interesting that they've chosen to choose a delusion that's so grounded in him. Pop culture. Pop, yeah, you know, it's it's less that people are out to get him, and more that it's he's just it's just a straight delusion, which is it's interesting. I'm, I'm, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I oh, well, no idea how realistic, but I interesting. Know. But I think we need him to say this wasn't your fault. Bill, are you sure you want to testify? You're damn right. Those sons of bitches. Oh. All the president. I'm sorry. I am. Um, On the wall behind him. I don't know why, I just. It's true. 
I'm going to protect Lois. I'm going to testify. He can't yeah. testify. He's crazy. He's a named defendant. He has to be allowed to take the stand. Not if he's incompetent. They say his wife caused him to jump. He also, not a good look for the lawyer for the mental hospital to refer to people as crazy is my guess. Yeah, well, I think once once you're in that position, you're just sort of like, ah, I'll just lean into it. Yeah. He's got the right to explain that she didn't. He has no sense of reality of the truth. He can explain what was going through his mind. That's completely relevant to the question of liability. I hope Mr. Berluti realizes that if his client testifies, I'm going to treat him like any other witness. Meaning what? I'll have no choice but to go after him. The man is not well. You've made him watch everyone he's trusted turn on him. His wife, his doctor. What are you trying to do? Totally destroy him? Is he threatening my witness? Well, so what no, does he want him to do? Play you. into the delusion? So I don't I. understand what they're are claiming you sure Jimmy's you doing. Are you do this, Mr. Berluti? Look. If we lose, if the jury hits the Munces with real damages, they won't be able to afford private care. Bill will spend the rest of his life in a state institution and feel responsible for bankrupting his wife. We can't let that happen. I'll let I mean, him the testify, stakes are Mr. Berluti, for him. but I hope you know what you're doing. Flying isn't something I just do. You know, and, and I'll also mea culpa, I, well, not mea culpa, I'm not going to apologize, but I was, I was, I called a lot of this, not that it was a difficult one, but I, re I refer to it as a Jimmy Dum Dum episode, and it has not been that. Jimmy's actually, his, his strategy has been sound, his bedside manner has been um, respectful, and he's, 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 there, the evolution of Jimmy is apparent in this episode. Yeah, oh, for sure. No, he's, he's handling this as well as you really could. There has to be a reason. So you've flown before? Many, many times. Why did you want to fly that day? Well, Lois had come to see me. Sorry, who is Lois? The woman seated there, my wife. Why do you think she came to see you? She said she wanted a divorce, but I think she wanted my help. I think she was in some kind of danger. What kind of danger? And I don't really know. When she left, I watched her from the window, and I was going to follow her from above to make sure she was all right. But that nurse, she started harping on me about going down to lunch. I forgot my cape. I need the cape to fly. So you weren't trying to hurt yourself. Wait, so you would just I'm asking you this as a Superman uh, expert. Okay. Is the is there any version of Superman in the world that we understand it that he needs a cape to fly? Generally speaking, in the lore, uh, for the most part, while there are some sort of like all you know, like one-off stories here and there, or other people who take up the cow for a moment, there it's the general main lore. No, the cape is not uh, required. In fact, there have been some suits without the cape. Well, and also, like, we see him as a kid flying and yeah. without the before he gets the suit. Yeah. But <clears throat> I don't know that that really plays any factor. He's trying to the fly. The delusion That's can right. anything, right? No, 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 for sure. But I was wondering if that was an invention Nothing of the further. show, not of mm -hmm. Superman lore. 
I actually think it's kind of clever because it, it provides a MacGuffin for him to, for the for his delusion to explain to, why he can't ex fly exactly, and not like just break his whole sort of uh, the, the reality he's created. For months, you love your wife very much. So when she told you she was leaving you, that was devastating, wasn't it? No. Weren't you crying? At first, maybe. And then I calmed down. When? Dr. Gorman said he found you crying 10 minutes later, alone. You do remember that, don't you? Mr. Muntz? I, um, I remember. Did she say why she was leaving? Objection. Irrelevant. Goes to his state of mind. Overruled. Did she say why she was leaving? Not really. Not really? Didn't she tell you exactly why? Isn't it a fact that your wife told you she had met someone else? A man she met at work? What? Objection. Lacks foundation. I can lay Big the fan. foundation. I've got photos. Objection. Whoa. Mr. Muntz, do you remember the question? I've got photos? She didn't say that. I don't know what he's talking about. Mr. Muntz, you tried to kill yourself, didn't you? No, I, Your I, wife I, told you that she had fallen in love with another man I and you tried to kill yourself. Isn't that right? I don't know what he's talking about. I, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know. Yikes. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 no, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't, I don't know. And they're trying to say this is Jimmy's fault because they put him up there? It's just, it's clearly the... Well, I... It all seems insensitive to ambush him with that type of information. And I don't know... I don't know what you do in that situation. Well, generally, doesn't it not get, this is where I get my legal sort of uh, ignorance plays against me. And I, I'm sure that they talked about it a little bit, I remember saying, but didn't they, doesn't he have to undergo, did they say he was co competent to stand trial? Doesn't, he clearly is not. Well, right. Not responding but, to but medication, living in I, I a delusion. Well, because here's the thing, he's not actually standing trial because this is a civil case, mm -hmm. not a criminal case. Mm -hmm. He's not being criminally charged. This is a, a lawsuit happening. So I think the standards are different there. He says, pulling it out of his ass without understanding that anything. Is, that is clear for sure. There's much less burden of proof on the... Right, the right. And so I'm sure there are different haul. standards of competency. You know, and Jimmy's point was like, look, he's, he's being, he has a right to confront his accuser, right to defend himself, and, and that sort of a thing. So... Um, so I guess, I guess the, the, the competency to stand trial is whether or not you can criminally charge them, not whether they can testify. Once they're already a, uh, a plaintiff, then you are, you have a right to testify by definition. Uh, but on an unrelated note, I just, uh, something came across my phone, guys. We just got followed by the real Rhea Bruto on Instagram. It's about time, Ray. 
You pop yeah. in here and there on the practice, but now you are a permanent member of the jury. You hear that, folks? You can join Ray Abruzzo <laughs> by following us at Out of Practice or leaving us a rating review on any of your podcasting services of choice. We now get back to poor old Bill Months, a.k.a. Superman, a.k.a. the Human Pancake Griddle. Boom. We gotta reach. We gotta get Ray on the show. Definitely. Keith says that as if he actually How would want he? that. Keith would. That would be his no way biggest nightmare. Won't talk to anyone. <laughs> Can I see him? <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Jimmy, what they said about me meeting somebody else. You have to believe me. I never told him. That's not the reason I want the divorce. I understand, Deborah, and I know you were trying to protect him, but hiding the truth. He shouldn't have heard it for the first time in court, and I shouldn't have either. I do not like the shaming taking place I, here. I gotta get ready for my closing. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of tragic everywhere. The only people who really screwed up was the hospital. I'm sorry. Jimmy gets nervous before his closings. No, he's right. The truth is, Lindsay, I've never... Yeah, I gotta say... It is not so, it does not blow my mind in any way, shape, or form that a person whose husband has been mentally absent for five years in a delusion, or let's say Alzheimer's or this or that, I'm not saying that it must be the case, but it does not surprise me that it would be the case that after multiple years of being forgotten by the person who you married, who's in, that you would see somebody else. That does, that's yeah. not mind-blowing or anything to be shamed. No, I agree. Never and she was trying to be up front with him. She in tries fact, to tell him. If I if I lose my mind or or have or my memory or something, and Jen, I encourage you, Keith, to have make Jen go find somebody else. I mean, clearly not as attractive or talented as or funny as me, but you know. Well, I, I mean, from my point, I, I've, I'll just continue doing the podcast with Ray Abruzzo. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not responsible for his disease. Not really. Is Keith and Abruzzo slathering some tuna on a hot dog bun, sliding those little wieners in and going right about for it? One thing. Oh, no. And you I know, he might listen to had. this one episode. I'm just curious what it sounds like. Let's listen to the most recent one. Kept pushing. Well, Ray, I do hope that you call up your favorite sandwich shop. I will be the first to pick it up on Grubhub for you. A nice old tuna wiener sandwich never hurt anyone, especially not my little Keithy boy. He prefers them. Yeah, lady, what, what are you doing? How are you involved in this anyway? I'm just a southern debonair, uh, or uh, what do they call him, uh, uh, debutante, who has given birth to the greatest podcast uh, one half of the greatest podcast do, and the other half, I do declare, is one of my favorite non-sexual uh, plutonic with benefits, <laughs> and those benefits are purely in co comic nature friends. <laughs> yeah. How the hell do you know that sentence when you started it? Did you know how it was going to end? Because it didn't <laughs> seem like it. I did not. Really <laughs> I should have. This poor lady's giving a great performance. <laughs> In the law, we have Here a we doctrine. Go. Oh. 
Ipsa loquitur. The thing speaks for itself. Yeah, we saw that episode. Sometimes okay. negligence is so obvious, so blatant, the law simply shifts the burden to the defense. We know someone was at fault for this, so explain to us why it shouldn't be you. Here, we have two defendants at fault. A wife who drove her husband to attempt suicide, Stupid. and an institution that failed to control its patient. Much more sense. Who's more to blame? That's your decision. But there was negligence here. Mentally ill men in costumes don't just drop on an accountant's head. Fair. He's convinced that he's Superman, but they never expected he might try to fly? Ed Green would be alive if there were bars on those windows. It really yes. is that simple. Yep. You have to ask yourself, who was in the best position to prevent what happened? They were in control. They were responsible for keeping him safe. That's what they were being paid to do. The fact is, Clarendon Hall isn't really a hospital. It's a business. These people care about profits, not patients. And that's why they didn't have bars on the windows. That's why they didn't have more staff on that floor. Dr. Gorman saw very good Bill point. Munts crying in his room. If anyone had stayed in that room, Ed Green would still be alive. If also they really true. think he tried to kill himself, imagine the cruelty of revealing to him that his wife is seeing another man right here in open court. Now, I don't know much Latin, Mr. Klein, but that's a thing that speaks for itself. Oh, yeah, Jimmy. Okay. Yeah, Jimmy! I'm going to say it here, uh, and I, I will not repeat myself in the oopsies. Well, I will, but this I'm going to make the point here because it's, it's fresh in my mind. This is one of those episodes where, you know, I, I, love, Jim, I love everything about Jimmy's arc and portrayal in this episode uh, from Michael Badalucco and from just the writing, but I have to say... This episode doesn't really stand up past the pitch meeting. You can convince me that this is going to be interesting, and it's been interesting in some ways, but I don't know that there's been a more open-shut case to me. Maybe I'm missing something. Everything yeah. Jimmy said in that in that close is factually accurate. I, I don't know that you can make—I mean, yes, in a civil case, I guess you can make a—like, I say this to my mom all the time, you can sue anybody for anything, right? So I, you right. can make the case that—but that's absurd, not to mention the precedent that sets, the precedent that sets that, okay, Keith, uh, I don't know, I won't make it personal. Uh, okay, let's say our, our buddy, his uh, his wife tells him that she's seeing some other guy, right? And then he goes off and murders six people. Can they come back and sue the wife because she's having an affair? Right. That's, it's absurd. And the, and the hospital is absolutely responsible for him when he's on their pres, uh, pro property under their care and has a delusion that he can fly. What the, What am I missing? Right. And, and in that analogy, not only does is the wife not responsible because you pissed off the person killing, they also hired a team to watch him to make sure he didn't kill anybody. Yeah. It really. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I'm trying to think. Yeah. We'll see. Let's we, see, the, see if they're the 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. 
hope there's not when a twisty, Deborah Munz told her husband she was leaving. Hold on. There's not only is there a mini fridge in that courtroom, Keith, but there's now an empty coat rack. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. I'm going to go back 10 seconds. Just watch when he starts That's after Jimmy finishes thing. his clothes. That's There's the mini fridge itself. we know in the window, and then there's just a coat rack next to the mini fridge. Well, you know, fridge when is Deborah cold. Munz Munz told her husband there. She was and there's an umbrella hanging on it there's on a sunny umbrella. day. It was reckless cruelty. In L.A. She drove him out that window. Had she told Dr. Gorman, and she had the chance, he would have protected Bill. Oh, okay, sure. She didn't do it. That's the negligence that cost Ed Green his life. Our hospital has taken good care of Bill Muntz. For almost five years, long after his wife stopped coming to visit, Dr. Gorman and his staff have provided round-the-clock treatment. Don't blame and being us paid to for do the so. actions of a wife who the, parked the goodness her sick of their husband heart. at our doorstep and then stopped caring for him. That's some Don't blame bullshit. Us for her neglect and cruelty. We're a hospital. We're in the business of caring for people. But for Mrs. Muntz, this tragedy would never have happened. It's a weak argument. It's a very weak argument. Bobby, what are you doing here? Is it over? Jimmy's with the Munces. We're still waiting for a verdict. What do you think? I don't know. An innocent man was killed. The jury's gonna want to blame somebody for that. I, uh, thought you might need this. What is it? Mental hospitals from around the country. I made a few calls. A few? There are 15 names here. The underlying ones might be able to take Bill when this is over. The two with the stars by them are your best shots. This must have taken you hours, and with all the work that you've got, why'd you do it? To be honest, um, I don't know. Let's just say I fell for the guy. That's the yeah, redemptive the arc God. for Bobby here? What does it have, love, to, have to do with I anything? I love you. I realize I've been sort of distant, and I wanted to help you to show you that we're a team. I mean, I it just that was just off the cuff, Keith. We could have written something. I, it feels... Underwritten, underwritten. Like you said, it's a pitch meeting, not a show. Now, as Phoenix will probably counter, that's not in Bobby's nature. Bobby's still dealing with some things. He finds it hard to express his feelings to Lindsay. I would argue that that's true, maybe, but what? Not what we need narratively for what I need emotionally well, from the show. But but how about he express those feelings to Lindsay by not like beating up a thousand different babysitters and get a decent babysitter like she asked him to. Clearly he did if he had time to make Something all those like calls. That. Right. By the way, I think... But let's not overlook how well-lit Dylan is in this shot. The saturation on the, in this episode particularly has been quite wonderful. Oh, very I mean, he's very bangable. Don't get me I'm wrong. Kidding. You managed to hire one? Kelly, don't no, feel left uh, out. You got a bang coming your way, too. Interviewing. Oh, seems no. Nice. Now, Michael... still get the credit. Thank you. Do it, decimal My southern accent is absolutely trash. Bobby. <laughs> Kiss that face. That's right. Oh, yeah. Whoa, it's kind of intense. Don't you have a job to do? Poor Bill Munz. What? I'll see you later. Oh, you know what that means, Keith. But he doesn't deserve that. <sighs> Come on. He deserves I'm, it. He he probably hasn't got laid in months. I am so over Bobby. Keith, 
He probably hasn't gotten laid in months. I got a very big dick. Miss Doe, the jury's back. Still didn't get it, but I, I played along. Bill Months. Bill Months. Oh, is that the character's name? I don't listen to characters' names. <laughs> What's that red light? Oh, it's an exit sign. Dark? <laughs> what are those things they're all sitting on? Oh, a chair, chair. Judy Fox. Madam oh. Fourperson, the jury has reached a verdict. Madam Fourperson's gonna we get a line. Honor. This is her audition for another character in a future episode. <laughs> That's 100% true. On question one, do we find the defendant, William Muntz, negligent? We, the jury, answer no. Damn right. On question two, do we find the defendant, Deborah Muntz, negligent? We, the jury, answer yes. Fuck! Quiet. I said quiet. That doesn't make any sense. Madam Fourperson, do you have a verdict on question three? Yes, Your Honor. Question three. Do we find the defendant, Clarendon Hall, negligent? You have to. We, the you jury, answer to. yes. We further order that Clarendon Hall pay damages to the plaintiff in the amount of $3 million and that Deborah Muntz pay damages to the plaintiff in the amount of $1. Oh, off the hook. Excuse me, we're not done. Oh, shit! Excuse Ooh. me? Excuse me, reclaiming my time? Reclaiming my time! Tood from the jury for Question the second four. time this season. As to the cross You know what? That was, it's, she deserves $1. it. One dollar. Excuse me, we're not done. Question Boom. four. As to the cross complaint, we find for the complainants and order the hospital to pay Bill and Deborah Muntz actual damages of $1 and to pay Bill Muntz punitive damages in the amount of $1 million. Bill's gonna get good care. Your Honor, we move for judgment notwithstanding the verdict and ask fuck that you. the damage award be set aside. Motion yeah. denied. Go fuck yourself. Members of the yeah. jury, this completes your service. You are dismissed with my thanks. This court is adjourned. Nine. You did it, Jay. Thank you so much. We'll appeal until it's judgment. Uh oh. Somebody get a doctor. The doctor from the hospital looks like he's having a heart attack. Somebody get a doctor. Oh no, he's gonna go Superman. Oh, come on, Keith, no. He just jumped out of his clothes. I'm flying to the hospital to get this man a doctor. No, no, don't do it. David E. Kelly, no. Chill. <laughs> He's okay. Oh, he fell onto a ledge. He's okay. <laughs> that stunt guy looks nothing like him. Wait, back it up. This is a couple of things worth watching to you go through that. You gotta be kidding me. One is how bad the backdrop is behind the glass when he jumps through it. It's like they didn't even like print the backdrop of the city in color. 
In fact, it's wait, wait, wait. It's curled up. The drop in the is curled up at the end, so the building is bending in the corner, on the bottom right-hand corner. So we need need screenshot that. Right there. You see the building itself. The building is melting. That's like a stunt double. That's not great. Wow, that... That might be the dumbest ending I've ever seen. That might be, if not the, at least top five dumbest endings oh, on the practice. My goodness. And complete, once again, one of those twisty twists, completely unnecessary. And oh, almost he was having a heart attack. It's a panic attack, Bill. Some minor chest pains caused by stress. Bill, now that this is over, we need to talk. I am banging somebody else. May I come in? This is a client meeting. Come on, Bill. So, guess not gonna, so he shouldn't have asked. Guess I should, well, didn't really care what your answer was. You coming in anyway, taking Bill with me. What are yeah, you doing? Yeah. Taking Bill back to the hospital. The lawyer says our appeal should take a year. Whatever you may think, Mr. Baluti, I'm still his doctor. Bill tried to save my life. So as long as we remain open, he's going to have a home. And even though I'm a major character in this episode, I'll be back as somebody else soon. And I'm pretty confident he just made a million dollars, so no, we know he's good for <laughs> You don't have to go We can use though. it. Yeah, yeah. There are other hospitals that might take you in. Is it okay to talk to Lois for a second? Yeah, Bobby made an extensive list. No. That's why he's on the good side. Wait, it's, it's all right. I want to come home. I know. But you can't. You don't love me anymore. It's not true. I just can't take care of you anymore. Whatever you did, if you met someone else, I don't care about that. All that matters to me is that we stay together. I can't do this again. I'm sorry. Watch out, he might jump. Deborah. I'll use whatever name you want. Bill. Listen to me. I won't be Superman anymore. I promise I, I can do it. You can't. The world so needs Superman. Especially now. And no matter how much I might want to, ask you to stop being who you really are. I love you. Doesn't feel medically accurate. I love you too. But it's a heartbreaking scene. It's just... It's frustrating because it's so inconsistent. Yes, because, Keith, it feels like the writers did about as much research into this mental illness as we have, which is a That's problem. 100% true. Well, but he is fucking uh, excellent, and so is she. 
Yeah, they're both the, hard. Yeah. The, the performances across the board this episode have been excellent. I just didn't need him jumping out the window the second time. That really... That was stupid. It was just straight dumb. Yikes. Well, if you would like the dumb to continue, it's time to hop over to YouTube and watch us discuss this in the After Show Show Show. And we are... Back, baby. Oh, oh that boy. Was, um, that was something. Yeah. We just watched the thing. And uh, now we are going to discuss it in our after show show show, in which we begin with Mike telling us, hey, what just happened? Uh, twice. First up. Mm, two, three. <laughs> Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Guys, Superman, Superman is here. Segment. And he jumped out the window and pancaked a man. And it's tragic and I'm sad about it. And it's not funny in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but his costume is. And so is the fact that they try to pin it all on his wife. And say that her banging some other dude because her husband's uh, in the hospital made him want to commit suicide. But guess in the end, guys, all that really matters is that he tried it again, proved that everything was right, and he got some money out of the deal. Yes, indeed. Everybody turned a profit in that deal. Now, mm -hmm. uh, could you tell us everything again? Uh, just in fewer syllables. In a segment, we like to cough. Cough? Superman can't fly, but Bill Muntz gave it a try. The hero is Cash. <laughs> yes. Good one. Well done. Right. Well done. I, I, I can see you You thought of that one ahead of time. Yes, I did. I, I, I remembered the two things I do during the episode. <laughs> <laughs> The hero is always cash, isn't it? Yeah, that's Isn't that's the true. hero really always cash? It's America. We don't need another here. As a matter of fact, we do. If it's cash, we do indeed need it. But yeah, no, the I, other I, thing I, that we need, hmm. Keith. Yes, what is that? Is what everybody really comes to the show for at the end Obviously. of the day. Obviously. And it uh might even it might even feature one hell of a bumper coming up. It might. A little segment we call Ladies and Gentlemen. The Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're an award show we do at the end of every episode. Uh, that begins with... Ha, ha, ha.
some reason, every time I'm like, oh, I might get there. And then. <laughs> Wait, what if they both went at the same time? Oh, there! I didn't get the key. <laughs> Actually, was pretty. I'd like you to pan them properly next time, but. Uh, <clears throat> uh, oh, we joke, we joke. But the truth here is, guys, that yeah. as I mentioned, I actually loved everything Jimmy did here. He didn't have to take the case, but he. And, and what I liked about this, usually we just like, oh, he's an old friend, and then we take the case. But in this time, not only did Jimmy have the compassion to do so, but he, he we start the episode by him defending it to the rest of the firm, convincing them that it's a good idea. And and actually, in a in a beat that we can talk about later, Bobby only gives him a day, but then this is clearly more than a day, so it's interesting. But um, and then throughout the proceedings, I think Jimmy did everything right. It, he 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 made the right call in letting the guy testify. I think that that helped with the judgment of the one dollar and and the close is one of jimmy's best closes it was like i said i thought it was beat by beat factually accurate and there's it after he presented it that way it seemed like there was almost nothing they could do but win so i think it's pretty clear to me jimmy berluti is the mvl yeah no for sure i mean jimmy is kind of the only character in this entire episode that behaved like a normal person yeah. Who sort of like logically just played the hands in front of them and didn't, I mean, he would, he was obviously handed the best case, but he was just like, yeah, here's the deal. Blah, 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 blah. Laid it out. And, uh, sometimes when you do that, you, uh, you win the, the most valuable lawyer. So congratulations, Jimmy. For your MBL. Coming up next, everybody stretch. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. What a very serious face on while I dance today. Yeah, it's very synchronized. We you know we could be in that synchronized swimming. It's just us in a pool with our bellies floating, going like this. <laughs> you know, I heard there was a big manatee die-off in uh, Florida. Oh, really? Yeah. So mm -hmm. they need some more. We can go replace them. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. Well, I think uh, this one's. You know, what could have really jumped the shark, flown the shark, if you will, uh, in this episode, <clears throat> was this character, the, the the main character of Bill Muntz. And I think in lesser hands it might have been, uh, but I think that our guest star, whose name Keith will enlighten us with. Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn was excellent. Shout out to his wife as well. She gave a great portrayal. Deborah Muntz. No, Deborah yeah. Muntz. I don't think that, uh, I don't think, that's no, that was the wife's name. Who was the actress? That was the actress. Deborah Deborah Muntz played Mrs. Muntz. Uh oh. Oh, did I did I do it wrong? Hold on. Did it Hold wrong. on. Did it wrong. Oh, <laughs> He's been doing God. it wrong all episode. 
So it's best we rectify it. Oh, now. yes. It's Wendy Gazelle. Folks, I introduced <laughs> Deborah Muntz playing herself. Uh, she but didn't yes. return, but Wendy Gazelle did. She did a great job. Yes, she played it uh, with the gracefulness of, some would say, a gazelle. Uh, but yes. What was the guy's name again? One more time. Kevin Dunn. Kevin <laughs> Dunn. Dunn, great. He done a uh, good job. Bill Muntz. It was... It was he played it straight, and not only that, that last scene, all the scenes where he had to kind of show uh, his a foot in different realities was really, uh, I thought, nuanced and powerful. Yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely did an excellent job. He did a better job performing it than it was written for him. So uh, congratulations, Kevin Dunn, with your oopsie. Coming up next. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show uh, It's Michael Badalucco. I think it's Michael Badalucco up and down. I think Kelly Williams was great. She was strong. I think Dylan just did Dylan. But uh, I think Michael Badalucco saw that in the script that Jimmy got to play a strong Jimmy, a confident Jimmy, a compassionate Jimmy, and he took the reins and really went for it, and I thought he did a great job. Yep, 100%. Jimmy, Jimmy did up. Michael Badalucco, Michael did up. And, uh, yeah, just good Jimmy episode. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a huge roller coaster to go on. He just had to be competent and compassionate, and he did that. And sometimes, it gets you an oopsie. So, congratulations, Michael Badalucco with your Best Actor Award. Uh, now it's time for everyone's favorite. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. You know, little known fact, you can catch it on the IMDb. Uh, we only talked about during the episode that you might have listened to uh, the, the two nannies that were interviewed during mm -hmm. Bobby's... Uh, Quest, some would say, for the mm, perfect mm. babysitter for little baby McDonald. And mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. what you didn't see, what got cut from the episode, but Keith is going to show us via the magic of, of Photoshop, is mm. fired babysitter Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. He, he, had a, he had a rough run of babysitting during this mm -hmm. era. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, Bobby asked him about all sorts of things and it uh, didn't go well. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're going to see it. All right, congratulations, fired babysitter. That's, that's the wrong one. Congratulations, fired babysitter Tom Brady for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. And now it's finally here. The, uh, the tread is a little thin this week, but here we are with... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. You know, I, I gave some of my thoughts earlier, Keith, and I always kind of... Uh, force you to uh, to, to audible because I I go first. So this week I think let's switch it up. Why don't I let you go first during spare? Oh, hours? okay. Ooh, I feel so different. Yeah, I I think what you said uh, during the episode I thought perfectly encapsulated this episode, and that is it's not an episode; it's a pitch, and they clearly had a pitch meeting. What if we had a guy who thought he was Superman and he jumped out of a window and killed somebody? Okay, great start. Fascinating. And then everything that happened after that 
initial idea felt like a first draft. It felt undercooked. It felt underwritten and under-researched. I mean, I, there, I think there's a way to tell this particular story in a, an effective and responsible and respectful way. And, and this wasn't quite it. But what was maddening about it, you had the like stupidity of him jumping out the window and then like the fake death and this, that, the other thing. That thing was as hokey and as stupid as it looked. The stunt looked hokey. Everything looked bad. And It and made Bobby McRambo look like an action film. It was so silly. It was stupid and, and unnecessary and sort of disrespectful. On the other hand, the scene that happened right after that, where he asked his wife to come home, and she says he can't. And they're both right, and it's heartbreaking and performed well. That scene was written really well. So you saw the potential of this episode in that scene. It could have been that good the whole time if they had just thought it through a little bit more and done a second pass at all of it. And and mostly the internal logic of it, you know, beyond the schizophrenia stuff, the internal logic of this three-way argument. Only one argument made sense. Mm-hmm. And the mark of a good episode of The Practice is when both arguments make sense. They both have a, a logic to it. Even if you don't agree with it, there's a side you agree with, a side you disagree with. You need to have a coherent argument on both sides. Otherwise, it's sort of a straw man argument. And it's it's not it's not really it's it's kind of lazy. And this episode felt undercooked. So uh good performances, great pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, but they just didn't follow through. It felt rushed. You know, I don't know if they got they got behind in production or something. I it just was like it just needed if I'm David E. Kelly and I get this script, I'm like, all right, so there's some things here I really like. Now go back and fix it. Come back to me next week. That's that's how I respond to this episode. There's some stuff there. It just needs to be fixed. So uh, with all of that, I'm gonna give it uh, 6.23 spare tires. It wasn't. It wasn't a good episode. It should have been. Yeah, you know, I, I say this a lot, and I get, you know, I'm watching these for the first time, and so I get carried away. And often, what th- gets me carried away is uh, the the experience of mutual watching, which you know, like I, I, we feed off each other's energy. So that's and that's one of the wonderful things about. It used to be about TV is that you would get together and watch shows, you know, and it wasn't right. just everything <clears throat> DVR'd. Uh, and sometimes the action gets me carried away, but sometimes, like today, it, it t- totally takes me out of it. Like, I was giving this episode a lot more leeway until that hokey bit, and it's exactly what you said. Already, it was paper thin. You know, like you said, it was a great pitch. Great intro, great pitch. And it yeah, seems like... was amazing. It seemed like they had an idea with a pretty good idea of, of how it was going to end. They had a they had a thought for the good ending. It's just the sandwich lacked the meat in the middle, you know? Yeah. And often also you'll hear me say that the great performances sort of if I, I guarantee if ap, like after two weeks we went back and retired a lot of the episodes, I think my you'd see my numbers come down pretty dramatically because the great performances save the writers often in this show, you know? Uh, a lot of times in television and movies and in, in media, it's the opposite, right? The writing right. is so good that it elevates the acting. In this, uh, sometimes, today's an example, 
the the acting elevates the writing. Like I, I think this is this episode's actually worse than what we saw, right? In, right. In less capable yeah. hands, I think it's a it's it's an even more disrespectful episode. I thought that you know to give the production elements some credit, I thought the scoring once again was excellent. The scoring reeled us back many times when I think it could have gone a little ridiculous. But for me, and and I'm 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 interested to hear from Phoenix and from some people, and not don't just play devil's advocate. I would legitimately want to hear a, a, a sound defense of of either of the two arguments presented, right? Outside of Jimmy's, uh, I think right. that the third sort of the the trois of the menage a trois of arguments it was unnecessary. It could it should have just been the hospital versus Jimmy, and the hospital should have come up with something better. Even the sort of pulling out of their ass, the her cheating on him, like it just seemed like it wasn't even a good plan B. No. Uh, and it was interesting to me that they decided to, that they made, and, and here's a point I'd like to throw to you, Keith. Like, why do you think the writers decided, well, was it just to throw us? Because they had the jury decide that the wife was negligent, but only owes a dollar, so only a little bit negligent. So was that just a commentary on you shouldn't cheat on your husband when he's in the hospital? I think it was, they had to fill because the 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 actual storyline was so straightforward there was nothing there's not much story there it's like like I was saying with the the tires that the the treads a little thin the story's a little thin because they needed something else to argue because uh mentally ill person who thinks they can fly no bars on the window S- credits right. <laughs> like there's there's not really much else to tell there and unless you're going to get more into the interpersonal story. No, but I'm saying they had the jury, they had the jury rule that they did find her negligent. Like what purpose does that serve? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, like it was, it was one of those things. uh, Maybe, uh, maybe one of the writers had a hair up their butt about something about that in terms of loyalty. But, um, I'm, I'm not sure what the show was trying to say there. And I, I think they were just trying to, it, maybe that one dollar was a very weak justification of adding that storyline. <laughs> Just like we're gonna have the jury validate us at filling this nonsense in there. Uh, I find it sad because because ultimately I'm with you as far as ratings go, and it's a waste of a great Jimmy episode because I thought he was yeah. it was so good for him as a character. And I guess we've made some progress in the the. I don't know. It's so funny they keep making it seem like they're doing the Bobby and Lindsay are cool now beat but then right. the next episode there's a new wrinkle but you gave it a 6.8 i think you said two something okay 6.2 6. 6. Something. something oh 6.2 something i'm gonna go i'm a little higher with it i'm a little more bullish only because i i, I don't want to overlook the great jimmy stuff and michael Botaluca. so i'm gonna go 6.47 6.47 okay well there you go. Uh, not a good rating, nor will I no. give a, a good rating to my good friends at Xfinity. Yikes. Who, uh, when uh, when my internet went down, which it does pretty reliably in the afternoons, uh, Xfinity, we're going to tell you, because I look it up on my phone, I can see the, the coverage map, that kind of a thing. Oh, good. I was covering up my address. You can't see anything. It says, everything looks good at your address. We couldn't find any outages or service issues. But on the map, it has a little exclamation point where they have outages and issues. And every town, including mine, surrounding on this entire map has an outage going down. But everything's great for us, which is everything that happens when I call them Xfinity. Almost it a year here sucks. in PA, and we uh, got to say, 
I never could get it in New York, but this Verizon Fios is effing sweet. Yeah, well, they don't. I would be on Verizon, but they're not on my street. So Xfinity has the monopoly. Okay, well, folks, <laughs> well, you've folks, gotten through. <laughs> no, you haven't, because we still have the Easter egg reveal. Oh shit! I always forget, but not today. I think I'm, it's is that is that you, Harry Truman? <laughs> is that Harry Truman? Uh, close. It's Frederick Nietzsche. Oh. Who, of course, uh, was one of the people who introduced the concept of the Ubermensch. He's the philosopher, the nihilist oh. philosopher, the Ubermensch, i.e. Superman. Oh. Uh, and so, of course, and then became a play entitled Man and Superman. I think it was Shaw who wrote the play. So uh, there you go. Well before DC, the idea of the Ubermensch was uh, first popularized. And I think it, it's even it's even more uh, Easter eggy here on a meta level because if we might be the poster child of the Nishi podcast. Well, that if that isn't if I wasn't a nihilist before, <laughs> I certainly am now. <laughs> well, folks, you have suffered through another episode of the Out of Practice. Oh, I have to play. Uh, uh, I was like, I'm like, Mike, when uh, are you going to play the music, Mike? Xfinity I want to help. Took us, took us down with it. It really did. All right, you did the practice thing. We did this. Nobody listens to the tag, but if you are, uh, you know, you can reach out to us by uh, email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com and at Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. While you're doing it, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Join the jury! We've got a whole bunch of lovely jury members who you can join. We really appreciate it. Speaking of folks, we really appreciate... We have our founding sponsors, including Jorge Novoa, CloudLover69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Mazanova, and Ari Kuhn. Did you know that you can be one of them? Get your name up on that thing and join them by leaving a rating or review, or you can go ahead and give us money by clicking on the links I put in our show notes every week. Nobody clicks them. That bank account is dwindling. Except for the few people who have forgotten to cancel their <laughs> subscriptions, and it, it happens anyway. All of our money is spent on QR codes nobody uses. But at the end of the day, folks, what we really want you to do is just reach out, tell a friend, say you don't even have to like the practice. You don't have to know anything about it. The podcast is still fun to listen to. Hey, Keith. Yeah. I see a window. Laser sounds. Laser